but it's all island. Or a photo, but it's really a video. I know. I think... you know that one. Okay, we're live. <laughs> all right, we are now live on YouTube. How's it going, everybody? What's up? Hi. Hey. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll give uh, give everybody a chance to kind of kind of get tuned in here in our in our live chat. Um, let's see if this video is popping up for me. Here we go. Okay, uh, this is Divi Chat episode 121, all about SEO and Divi. And uh, this is actually a topic that was uh, submitted to us by uh, Eric Dingler. And, and he just mentioned it had been a while since we talked about this. I think it was like episode 23 or something when we last did. And it, may, it may not have been that long ago, but it's, it's been quite a while. So it's definitely time to maybe touch back in on this uh, subject. And I'm sure we're all like way more knowledgeable than the last time, right? Everybody's been taking SEO courses and, and practicing. Real world experience. Real world, yeah. Trial and error. So, okay. Well, uh, before we jump into today, to today's topic, let's uh, introduce this awesome panel we got here. So uh, let's start. I'm sure we're all looking at different views here, but I'm going to go upper left sarah oates how's it going hey guys sarah oates here from endure web studios and you can catch me at endure.com.au and i'm going to be back i don't know if anyone's noticed but i have been away for a bit because our time zones switched over and it was at a very inconvenient time in australia at 8 a.m and we're now back at 7 a.m so you're going to hear a croaky little me every week because it's first thing in the morning 7 a.m so if anyone's watching in australia Good job. 7 a.m. early. <laughs> that's that's dedication right there. That is. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Hey guys, I'm Stephanie Hudson coming at you from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I run uh, Sweet Tea Marketing, my marketing and web design firm, and also my half of Focus WP, white label WordPress maintenance for So you can find me at focuswp.co if you chat. Excellent. Josh, how's it going, buddy? Hey, everybody. Good, guys. Made it just in time. I think I popped on at like 4.59, so I was afraid I was going to be late today, but good to be here with you all. I'm Josh Hall from Columbus, Ohio. You can find all my Divi and WordPress-related stuff at joshhall.co, and then my website design business, where I do some SEO stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is intransitstudios.com if you want to see what we have going on there. Excellent. Happy to have you. Mr. Streifler. Hey everybody, Tim Streifler here, and I am broadcasting from Central Texas for one of the last times, actually, because my wife and I are relocating back to California, where we're from. Um, so yeah, I got to soak in this uh, Texas pride while I'm still a Texan. Um, but yeah, uh, you can find me online at divilife.com, timstreifler.com, and wpgears.com. Excellent. I'm hoping you don't lose that strong Texan accent you have there. I know. I, I picked it up, you know, living here for three years and let's hope I don't lose. <laughs> All right. Good seeing you, Tim. And uh, I am Corey Jenkins. I'm coming at you from Prescott, Arizona. I am not relocating anytime soon, maybe to a different house, but staying in the area. Uh, you can find me at... Uh, at uh, divi.space, aspengrovestudios.com, potentplugins.com, divi.chat, several different places around the, the web. And uh, I'm super happy to be here. I think this is going to be an awesome episode. Uh, once again, for those of you who might have missed the, the very beginning, we are talking about 
all about SEO and Divi today on this uh, 121st episode of Divi Chat. So as with uh, tradition goes, we're going to have our resident uh, definer, Tim, define SEO. Yeah. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And it basically is optimizing your site, optimizing your content uh, in order for search engines to find you easier, index your content easier so that you can get more search traffic. Um, back in the day when Google and other search engines were, I guess, on the newer side, um, you could essentially manipulate search engines. Um, I, I worked for, or, uh, I had a, a professor in college who worked for an internet marketing company and he would told me, uh, told the class that when Google was new, you could basically put like, uh, I think Jessica Alba was like a big deal back at that time. You could put Jessica Alba a million times in text in your, your content, change the, the color of the text to the same color as the background and you would rank for Jessica Alba. And it was that easy to you know, basically trick the search engines to uh, rank you for different things. Um, but these days, the search engines are, are becoming more and more um, intelligent with, with artificial intelligence and machine learning and all that. And so it's not about tricking or manipulating or doing anything like that. It's about having good quality content and then setting up your site to help Google find it easier. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, I, I think, as well as kind of how that fits into our roles as web designers. Well done. Excellent. Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. All right. So uh, we where done? do we think a, a good point to, to start at would be, um, you know, I, I mean, there's so many different areas of SEO. I mean, maybe, mainly, maybe we can start off kind of like just really general, um, you know, just kind of, kind of setting up your website and, and, uh, I, it might be worth asking because the, the question was from Eric was, you know, should I white label or should I learn it myself? I, I think that might be a good place to start, at least from my perspective, because I'm still, I'm by no means an SEO expert. I, I'm continually learning as we all are. I don't know if there really is a true SEO expert because things are changing so fast. Um, but as a web designer, I think it is very, very important at least to have the foundational understanding of SEO about how to structure your site, how to submit it to Google, how to integrate it with Google analytics, things like that. Um, with that said, it, it is kind of its own animal. I feel like, like it's, it's frankly really hard to keep up with web design, WordPress, design, SEO, and all the other things that are involved with what we do. Uh, however, it is very, very important to, to build your site structurally sound. So I do think it's very valuable still to learn a lot about SEO. And I'm sure we'll cover a lot in this episode and we have previously, and there's a lot of good courses and resources I'm sure we'll mention. Um, but I guess I will say when it comes to white labeling, as far as it's something, you know, should I hire it out? Um, I have done that. I still do that. I have an SEO expert I work with. I have a couple of local colleagues who are really good that I actually have worked with and pulled a lot of knowledge from. Um, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, once I build a website, I'll have an SEO plan where they're actually doing the, um, the listings to all the directories and a lot of the stuff that either A, I don't know how to do or B, I just don't want to do. And then I do kind of white, they do white label work for me to where the client is paying me. I pay them for the advanced SEO stuff. So um, I don't know if that's a good place to start off, but that's kind of where I've, uh, where I've come from it as far as learning as much as I can, continuing to stay up on it, but hiring out the things that I don't want to, don't want to do or don't know. I agree with you hundred percent. I, um, I think like by nature, 
we're such geeks and we love to tinker and figure things out, right? So there's so many things about our businesses that we can, I mean, probably every one of us here knows Photoshop and stuff like that, right? Like we just figure stuff out, even though that's not what we need as a web developer. But I feel the same way that SEO is like its own animal. Like it is so, it's so deep and changes so much. And I kind of look at it as levels of SEO. So I build yeah. all my sites and I call them, I call them SEO ready. <laughs> like I'm not going to offend Google in any way. I'm going to have alt tags and all the images. Everything's going to run fast. It's going to be mobile optimized. Kind of like you're saying, Josh, like the very basics are all going to be like all those boxes are going to be checked. But as far as actually like doing keyword research or targeting certain keywords or certain geolocations or things like that, that to me get, is next level. And I, I need to bring somebody in. And then even with that, you can do multiple levels, right? You can, you can go just the very basics where you're kind of getting a little traffic or you can really focus in where you're spending. I mean, you could spend thousands and like $10,000 a month or more doing that kind of stuff. Really you're trying to do To be honest, like I would say most of my clients, I would say 90% of my clients, what you've just described is what I would do for them. Like including connecting to Google analytics, Google search console and making sure they've got a Google business page. So like, you know, I think that is like the basic, right? Like you've done all of the basic, you've got Yoast and every page has its like title and meta description. You've done all that stuff, right? I think that is basic. I think every website should have that. And I think any web designer who doesn't do that stuff isn't treating you right. Like in my opinion, I think that is just, you should be getting that as a part of a website. But I would say for 90% of my clients, that's all they need. Like some of my clients... Like I've got um, a customer who's in Melbourne. Melbourne's a pretty big city. They're doing coffee roasting and it's taken a little while and it has built over time, but that's all we did, right? They don't write a blog, nothing like that. But they are now ranking for some terms that I, you, I would have thought you would have to go to an SEO specialist. And it's just purely because we did the right stuff. It's been around for a while. It did get linked from Elegant Themes once, which does help because Elegant Themes is a popular um website so that inbound link did help but they're ranking really well and we did the basic like the essentials the things that I think every website should have but they didn't have an SEO specialist so sometimes people don't need all that stuff and I often say to clients like you've got to at least give it I would say three to six months with the basic stuff on let it live let it be and then if you're not happy that's when I think you should outsource but initially I say to clients like just don't like I think we just start with the basics and then make it assessment a little bit further down the track personally. I think you have to be careful how you sell that too though, because I've got a client right now that I'm doing um, like a bigger SEO campaign, which I brought somebody in to do. And he's like, what do you mean? Why haven't, why hasn't this all been done already? He doesn't, he's like, I thought we paid for SEO. And I'm like, yeah, the basic, and then you got an SEO audit, which showed how things were doing. And then we decided yeah. to take these actions. So if you say like, I do, I'll build your website and do SEO. You really need to define what you need. Yeah. You oh, yourself. I never tell them I do SEO, but I do tell them I set it up in a way that Google's going to be really happy and that it's worth letting yeah. it sit like that. A little That's bit. what I call it SEO ready. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We call it like, like basic, basic SEO, you know, which yeah. is. Like, like you're saying, and I, I do agree that if, if you're building, you know, websites and you're 
um, you know, presenting yourself as an expert, uh, you know, maybe not in SEO, but in, in web to your clients, you should at least be able to get that set up. And um, everybody has their own tools, whether it's like all in one SEO or Yoast, but you should have, you know, you should have um, your, you know, H1 tag set up, set up properly in your, in your page titles. Um, you should set up like a Yoast and know how to set up Google analytics and Google search console, submit the sitemap. That's all stuff that's like pretty easy to do once you just kind of like dig into it. Um, and it's, you know, to me, it's something that should absolutely be done. Um, another thing that we do is like a, you know, kind of basic service and I'll do it for maybe at least a, you know, a week after launching a new site is within the search console, just make sure that your all of your pages are indexing and you're not getting any like 404s or yeah. soft 404s or, or things like that, because that's a, like the absolute most important to SEO is like your pages and your website being able to properly index across the board. So yeah. I, I agree. That's something we should all do is like, a you know, it just included in your contract. That's part of it. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think that's the, the base level that everyone should do no matter what, you know, if you're building a website, you should do those things because that's considered best practice. Um, I'm going to go a little bit against the grain uh, and say that I think, I mean, obviously, you don't have to do this, but I think there's value in learning SEO yourself and taking it next level and offering it as a service. Something that, that David and I teach in our Divi Business Expert course is kind of going beyond the pretty website. Um, you know, to kind of differentiate yourself, like, yeah, anyone, uh, anyone, any clients, you know, second cousins, you know, neighbor, like, oh, I have this distant relative friend that builds websites, and they're going to do it, you know, for $200. Well, you can't compete against that. But if you can differentiate yourself by not just designing a, a pretty website that they could get from that, that distant relative friend, cousins, brother, whatever dog sitter, um, they can also get that with Wix or Squarespace. But if you can um, design a website that's, you know, meant to convert and is going to actually help them, uh, you know, sell their product, get more leads, whatever, then you're going to really set yourself apart. And I think taking it one step further is actually helping them get traffic. Like, yes, I'm going to build you a website that's doesn't just look good, but it's designed to convert and help you grow your business. But I'm actually going to help you get traffic because I think everyone's in agreement that you can't just have an amazing website. You need a way to get people there. Otherwise, it's just sitting on a server somewhere. Um, and so I think SEO or Facebook ads uh, or Google ads or any of those other services is something that you can differentiate yourself and help your client get traffic. Um, I, again, it's as uh, Stephanie said, you know, you, you have to be careful how you sell that because you can't just, you know, promise them first page rankings, you know, top <laughs> rankings, um, because it's a very... How many emails do all our clients get oh like that? Gosh, I so can guarantee you top 10. Yeah, exactly. So, you, but I think it could be something that you could really, you can learn and offer it as a, as a service to really, you know, help your clients and, and set yourself apart from other people that are only building websites. What's really tricky about this too, and I learned this the hard way because my monthly plans, I actually, on my SEO page, I just put up kind of a cover page because we're revamping all of that. And uh, my whitelister, his service charges just went up. And so I'm kind of reevaluating the pricing because we've had some success on some clients have done really well. And then we've had some where frankly, they haven't done well. And one of the biggest reasons that is, is no fault of my own or anybody we're working with. It's because with SEO, one thing that's so tricky is that one thing that works for one client may not work with another. So prime example, I did a local barber shop. It's just a one page website, but they're a really popular trendy, like men's hair style barbershop. And they are crushing it on Google 
A lot of reasons is because they just get so much traffic from people Googling them. They have hundreds of Google reviews, which is huge. And then they have people that are very, they are interacting with Facebook. So they're really, really engaged with Instagram and Facebook. That's all linking traffic back to the site. On the other hand, I have a home inspector I worked with who invested like a lot of money in SEO and we built a lot more pages and a lot more work. We're doing more content work on the site right now, but he's not getting near the results they are. But the industry is completely different. A men's hair barbershop is going to rank generally a lot faster than something like a home inspector, especially in Columbus, Ohio. We are, well, as of last year, we were the eighth hottest real estate market in the country. So a home inspector oh, is going to. So it's yeah, it's it's huge. It's blowing up. It's going to be way tougher to rank with a home inspector in one of the hottest real estate markets. Same with like a real estate barber shop where the competition isn't near as great. So that's one that's one really important thing I wanted to preface is when you're talking about SEO and you're thinking about selling it, you do have to be realistic about your clientele because one, uh, you know, a plan that works great for a local auto mechanic may not work for a different industry. Yeah. 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 I can tell you another thing that um, this wasn't, this is actually a client I work with now, but the person that they were using before, they actually were doing paid campaigns, which is different. But the point is, the, the someone said it already about converting your leads and converting your traffic because they spent all this money and the SEO, um, the SEO company was like, we're so happy with the results. We're getting great results. And the client was like, where? They hadn't gotten a single extra phone call because they're driving traffic to this homepage and there's nothing for anybody to do. There was no relevant calls to action. There was a, so it's like all of these little tendrils come out, right? Because that's not SEO, like putting a call to action on your site or a form, but it, it makes your SEO completely worthless if you don't have it. So there's like so many different elements and a lot of people want to just like, they have a site and they're like, drive traffic. And I'm like, okay, and then what? Like, how about we get your site fixed first? Because there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, there. I would never recommend someone spends time on SEO if they haven't fixed their site, for sure. Like that. Just yeah. And, and the examples that you shared, Stephanie, where they were driving a ton of traffic to the, the, the website, but the homepage wasn't designed to convert. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense to have you know, one, cause like internet marketing, like it can be very like compartmentalized and like siloed to where you have like, okay, I'm going to do Facebook ads and you turn it on and then like do Facebook and then you do Google ads and you do this. But like, really, I think a well-designed marketing plan, it, everything is integrated and working together as well as the, the web design aspect, because you could, you know, design the website alongside, you know, uh, SEO research to learn, okay, what are the keywords and then design the content around it and, and like, uh, you know, have the, the right calls to action that, you know, complements what the, um, the meta descriptions say on the, the search engine page and, and stuff like that. And have, you know, retargeting on Facebook ads. And so it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of going a little bit, um, too far down this hole, but like, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, really good marketing should be, you know, very uh, integrated opposed to being different. And so that's why I'm, the argument I'm trying to make today is I think, yes, you like to answer the, the question of the person who suggested this topic is, yes, you should learn SEO and you should do it as a service once you're comfortable and, you know, have the confidence to, to sell it and know what you're doing, because you're going to be able to go way beyond just someone that designs websites for clients, but someone that can help clients 
grow their business. Yeah, the website's you know the primary avenue, but it's getting the traffic to the website that they're paying you to do as well. And that's where I think, like for me, that's one reason I partnered with somebody who knew SEO a lot more than I did is because it takes a lot of time to learn that. I mean, we could cover the basics in more detail probably, and we can refer back to, I'm sure we'll relink that PDF that uh, was put together for the previous episode about what you can do on site as far as making your, sure your site is, is foundationally sound for SEO. But there are, there's a lot to it when it comes to like submitting things to directories and then backlinking and all this other stuff. Um, so that's one reason I partnered with somebody that way they could handle that. And I could kind of slowly learn. I could focus on the conversion, focus on the site stuff, deal with working with clients, but then know that that aspect is taken care of as well. Um, so it is, it's very tricky. That's, I, I would suggest that like trying to find a partner in SEO easier said than done for sure. But, uh, particularly in the Divi community, there are a lot of reputable people who are, are doing good SEO work. Um, yeah. one of the biggest, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, go ahead and finish. I'll, I'll well, well, I was just going to say one of the biggest things though with clients is you see all these ads where it's like great SEO for one ninety nine a month. But the fact is it is either going to take a lot of time with developing really good content, blog posts and engagements, or if you're going to just pay for it, it's going to be a lot of money again, depending on the competition. Um, so that's one thing I kind of tell clients. Yeah. One, one route we took is, is we, you know, we didn't like white label it or outsource it or anything, but, uh, we, we have a good friend, uh, Corey Hammond, who I tried to get on the show today, but he's busy <laughs> and wow. he's just like super knowledgeable in, in SEO and, um, just, you know, digital marketing and everything. And we kind of took the route as opposed to like, actually like outsourcing our SEO. We could, he kind of like took us under his wings as, you know, as our mentor uh, for SEO. And we were able to kind of, you know, help him out with some stuff that he needed help with as, you know, as far as, you know, some technical type stuff and, you know, maybe, you know, building some landing pages and things that, that he needed, but he really took us under his wing and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and taught us, uh, you know, a lot of super important uh, SEO points. Um, for us, like in our experience, not only with our own websites and marketing our own products and also for clients, I mean, for us, the absolute biggest thing that we've seen is just content creation content. and yeah. that, that goes both with on-page SEO. We actually, uh, you know, we hired a, a copywriter who is well, really well-versed at writing uh, copy for like products and conversion and so that's, that's the on-page SEO aspect, but also blogging. And I mean, if, if you blog on a, on a regular basis and you're, you're focused on what you're blogging about, you have done a bit of key, keyword research um, and, and you just do it on a regular basis, you know, of what people in your, your clientele are looking for, it, you're going to see results, you know, just steadily climb. Um, so for us, I mean, that's what we tell our clients. I mean, the on-page SEO and content creation are, to us, I mean, beyond, you know, the basic essentials, um, you know, setting up, setting up your site and having it structured properly for us, that's absolute number one way that you can increase your rankings. Yeah. yeah. And that's, okay. I'm a firm believer in that approach too, of, of quality content mm -hmm. opposed to, cause there's a lot of like SEO tricks or tactics and like they'll work for a season and they'll go away. By the way, Josh, I'm pretty sure directory linking, um, is kind of old school. Doesn't hold much value these days. Um, but well, depending, depending on depending on um, the the competition or depending on the industry, 
Uh, I actually just yeah, talked to sure. a local buddy who's killing it and he said there's quite a bit of value. It, it, it does. It just depends. Like if it's something like blue collar with a physical location, it can go a long way. But if it's like elegant themes, it's different. Yeah. And I guess I, it, it depends on if it's actually a directory that like people go to and get trapped. Cause there's like, there used to be, and there probably still is just like thousands of like SEO directories, which are directories just for the sake of getting like directory links. And so that's more what I'm referring to. Like, Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Just for the sake of getting backlinks. But yeah, if it's like a, an actual, like, Oh, here's a list of professionals, you know, in this trade, like that's obviously has, has value, but um, while while you're saying that, I just wanted to say too, really quickly, a lot of people get sucked in to the yes, you guys know them, uh, Y-E-X-T, yeah. and they are a directory list. Like they go and they like publish your all of your stuff in these directories, and they're totally they're such a ripoff. They put all your stuff in there, and then you have to keep paying them every month. If you stop paying them, they go back and delete all your things that they've done. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, so, I, I think, like, I think a better a better that. option. A better option there is Moz Local, um, and and they do the same thing. They they you know submit you to to different directories, and, and this is for like local local SEO um, mainly. So they have a bunch of different directories that they that they submit you to, and yeah. I, I think they're a lot more reputable because Yext. Moz, we've yeah. had we've had clients who they're like, well, they came and you know, they said this, and we're not here and here, and they want this much money and. And uh, I I would definitely stay away from you. That's what's so great about blogs and on-site content building is that it's on your site. You see it, you see the ROI, you know what they're doing. Yeah. Now I do think the NAP, the NAP, I mean, I'm a big fan of maps all the way around, but the NAP, the name address phone is, um, that's like, if you are already in directories, like if you've been in business for a while, but maybe your office has moved or even if somebody used to be in office, I have a client who, has been in the office space for like 20 years and somehow another business name was popping up from somebody before uh, them. Yeah. So like that kind of thing is important, which is connected to the directories, but it's not like actively going into like fill them all in. It's just making sure whatever info out there. Yeah. And then some, some are a no brainer. Like if you're a local business, brick and mortar, you know, you should have like your Google, my business listing set up mm-hmm. and, oh, and, and do some of those. How many people have a website and like some agency has built it for them and they don't have a Google business page. They've never heard of it. They don't know anything about it. You think like you've just been ripped off. Like that is one of the most important things. And it makes such a big difference to whether you're going to rank. How do you guys do that? Whenever you set that up for people, do you um, like create a, gmail address and then set that all up and then turn that over to them or is that how you do it or what do you do like even with analytics or things like you can create it under your own but then that gets real complicated so so my my go-to if they don't already have accounts or something like that without even asking or talking about it i i'll just create a gmail account for that client and call it you know like something website accounts at gmail.com and then create google analytics um, you know, all the accounts, if I'm setting up Cloudflare for them, stuff like that. And then I just hand them the entire Gmail account and they can go and they can change the email to their own personal email if they want. But so what, um, what all, uh, Google properties do you do then? Let's just do analytics, search console, local, then Google places, um, Google Places? That one like keeps changing names. I, I actually I, yeah, I, I just I do the Google call. 
We'll just do Google business listing, Google analytics, and then search console. That's usually the Google business best. listing. Yeah. yeah. I still call uh, Google search console, Google webmaster tools and oh, as for a while. <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> makes fun of you. All the geeks are like, oh, it's actually search console. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, google.com slash webmaster slash tools. Google stop. Yeah. I get confused. Like, it's I'm not confusing. sure which one it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm Google, still Google apps like, changed like, it to G Suite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm calling Google apps. So I, like, I would say to the guy who's asking the question, like, I think you need to learn the basics that we've talked about. And I think you can learn those things pretty much anywhere. You can learn them for, through blogs. You can learn them through YouTube. You could probably learn them through one of these guys' courses. Like, it's heaps of places that you can learn the absolute basics that you should be implementing in every course. But should you go further than that? If you've got time and if you've got money, like, absolutely. I, I would love to learn more. I have big plans to do the Kate Toon SEO course, which we'll link in the show notes. Oh, I I've love heard that. nothing but good things about that course. And I would like to do it even if we don't end up offering those services, like more services than what we're already adding, even just so I know I'm doing absolutely everything I should be on a basic setup of a site. I would really like to do that course. It's about 2000 Australian dollars. Um, so it's not the cheapest course in the world, but I have heard nothing but good things about it. Um, so I think something like that would be well worth it if you've got the time and the money to invest in it. But then if you don't have the time and you want to offer the services, absolutely find a partner that you can either outsource to and, you know, white label or someone you can just hand it on to. So for me personally at the moment, I feel like it is such a tricky space and I don't have anyone that I feel super confident in that I give out recommendations and say, these are some people I have heard do some good work. Um, you're welcome to go try them, but I'm not going to white label them because I don't want to have my name associated with that particular work when I feel like I'm not confident enough. So my recommendation would just be, be really careful with the white labeling, labeling side of things because you you, they're essentially being you and if they do a really crap job or if they spam that website somewhere or if they do the work and like um, these guys have said like Josh said like there's no real change and this person has invested all this money in you you have to face that so I would be hesitant and just tread carefully if you're going to white label um, I would err on the side of probably just referring on initially and then seeing how that person does. And if they do really well, then maybe use them to white label. Um, but I would be very hesitant before you start letting your brand be associated with someone else's SEO work. It's a good point. Good point. Because I did that exact same thing, Sarah. I just referred it on. Then I decided to take it in-house, mainly because yeah. a couple of my clients just wanted to work with me. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I could make, you know, some extra money per month on this and I could be involved. It would be, you know, not too much time on my end. And I did that. But to Tim's point, like he was mentioning some outdated tactics. One thing I did fear was that um, the guy I was working with was I, I wondered how like savvy he was staying up on everything. And that was a couple of clients that seemed to, to not do really well. I kind of wondered like, what is he doing to actively work on those methods? So that's kind of one reason I pulled back and wanted to kind of reevaluate some things as well. So it's, it's really true. You should definitely be careful. And then I would say, do what I did and just be very vigilant. If it's not a good ROI for your clients, then, you know, might need to check on whether that person yeah. really is yeah. you know, just like we're staying up on the web design trends. It's even more important with SEO, I think. Yeah. And, and really, really learn the difference between white hat and black hat SEO. And if you yeah. do outsource it, 
ask that person about their methods and, you yeah. know, stay clear of anything that might be kind of iffy. Cause there are still like, you know, some, probably some of the old school, uh, you know, people out there that are using some old methods that are considered, you know, black hat nowadays, or, or even like, you know, gray hat in between. I'm not even, I'm not sure if this is white or black or gray or whatever, but we had, we've got like a gardening landscape website and they outsourced to an SEO company. And that company came in and put a map on every single page of the website, which looks super ugly and I hate it. And it like makes me mad about the website. And then they've like added all these extra pages, but they're all just hidden in the back of the website for like all these like little tiny extra little things. And I just, it makes me so mad because I feel like maybe it's good SEO, but it makes the website crap. Like, so I think the SEO people suck at design. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Doing it all together, it makes so much sense. I don't think that that any of those things will get you like penalized or anything. So it's not necessarily black hat, Yeah, but I just don't think it's effective. I just don't um, think it's great for the client, like the end user seeing a map. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, like, a poor, it's a poor user experience, which I, I think some of the algor- algorithms as we advance and they're already starting to get into it are really starting to, to focus on the user experience. Of, yeah. Of and whether people stay on the website, website, right? Like, yeah. People come to the website, they did it, they drove the traffic there. And like we say, they get there and then they hate their experience there. They're going to leave and then you're going to have a big bounce rate. And so all of a sudden, everyone's going to come and just go away because they don't like the experience when they're there. So yeah, it's not just enough to drive the traffic there. They You can't just spam the website then with all this ugly content. I really do think you have to find a happy medium. I yeah, it is. Definitely a happy medium because you want to have enough good content that actually uh, another local colleague I have who's just killing it with with SEO stuff. And he does really, really advanced work with some bigger companies. And he was saying it has to be a good mix of organic and personalized, good, real content, but it also has to be friendly towards Google. So there has to be he kind of mentioned the term robotic, like there has to be a happy medium between robotic sounding versus which robotic would mean like you're adding keywords of the services or products but it's yeah. with the flair of like real good content, which is, which is very tricky. And that's kind of, again, why, why content writing, which I feel like mm. content and copywriting is merged in with SEO because it's all the same, you know, yeah. similar to how yeah, so actually yeah. that's, that's what I would recommend to my clients before SEO personally is I personally recommend to anyone who's struggling or their website looks like they've come for redesign and their content is really like not good. That's the thing I recommend first. Or if they're saying I want SEO, I say, I think you should invest your money in a really good copywriter. And then I recommend someone who is a copywriter who understands SEO. I think that's a better investment initially um, than straight into SEO because they can make sure you have enough words that are good words, that are Google friendly, that also are good for people. That's a really hard balance and that's worth investing money in, I think. And I'm not going to do that work. Like That's not my skill. I'm going to pass that on to somebody. Yeah, I actually don't know if a copywriter is the best person to figure that all out in the first place, though. I almost think you need to bring somebody in for, like, an audit. You know, get, like, an audit of your site and your property and your business. So where they'll do keyword research and research your competitors, maybe interview your salespeople, things like that. Come up with a master keyword list. Then you hand that over to your copywriter. It depends on the My copywriter does that stuff as a part of what they do. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Mine doesn't. I've never found it. <laughs> Stephanie's like, I got to find another copyright. <laughs> no, that's like my, the bane of my existence is copyright. 
So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, pa Pablo asked a question about the H1 tag myth and having more than one H1 tag um, on a page. Uh, I, I don't think it was a myth at the time, um, but recently Google's kind of kind of changed to where they're not like really dinging you for having more than one um, H1 tag. Um, and, and then I, I've also read that it kind of depends on like on the HTML version that you're using. Like if it's like HTML4 um, on the on the website that you're using, it, it'll it'll still ding you for whatever reason. But I still think as best practice, I don't think there's any reason why you should have multiple h1 tags on a page too many too many people use h tags like for styling <laughs> instead of yeah. structure and, yeah. and and I don't, I don't think it should be done that way like you know if somebody's like oh i want it like another you know some more font that's like that same size on my page i'm gonna just wrap it in the h1 tag that's not the way to do it h uh, h tags are supposed to be meant for for site structure and, and matter of importance um so and realistically I, I, with divi you can change the size so easy now so you shouldn't be doing that like if, if that's yeah. the reason you're doing it like just go in and change the yeah size I, i'd say i'd say like beginner beginner designers and do it yourselfers that's probably the number one reason they do it is just because yeah. they want that like that, you like know that. bold pretty pretty text that matches yeah. the uh you know the the headline on the page but that's not the right way to do it i don't know if having you know maybe two two H1 tags will actually like hurt you, but it's, it's still not. If anything, it just is confusing Google, right? Like you want to make it as easy for Google as you possibly can. And having two H1 tags tells Google two different things about what is the most important thing about this website. Like the whole point of a H1 tag is to say, Google, this is what this page is about. And if you have two statements that compete against each other, then you're telling Google two different things. That's not going to work in your favor. So just tell them one thing and then tell them the second layer and the third layer. Like it's kind of logical. Yeah. yeah. I think too, on that note, like if you think like what Sarah's saying is hundred percent true, you want to tell Google what's most important, but if you think about it, that's also is going to be more user-friendly when you have really well-organized content um, you're going to help the user figure out and, and be able to scan, scan through the page and see, you know, what the headings are and stuff like that. But then that's also going to be really good for Google. And so, um, kind of the way that I, I think like I'm very organized, like the way I have to like think through something and the same way that I write is I, I write kind of like an outline format where, okay, here's, here's the number one thing for the page. You know, this is my, you know, capital I thing of like the old fashioned outline. Okay. And then here's, under that so that's the like the title of the the blog post under that i have you know my my uh my capital a point you know and that's if you think about it to html terms okay that's your h1 and if you just kind of write pages in an organized you know well like planned fashion then naturally if you have a basic understanding of seo it's going to be really good for google so to pablo's question and i kind of reiterate what Corey said it's not going to hurt you if you have two h1s but you're going to it's going to help you more if you just have, you know, one H1, you know, yeah. and, then, and so it's forth. what's, what's actually worse is to probably not have any H1 tag at all, um, which, which yeah. we've come across. Um, so, you know, you, you should have those elements on there. I think, I think also for H tags and, and a site structure beyond SEO moving forward in, into the future and it's becoming more prevalent is, uh, is for accessibility reasons. Um, you know, to really use those H tags properly because, you know, a lot of the devices, readers. Like What's that? We call them H tags like Sarah. H. I yeah. don't think I called it a H tag. H. I, I know, I know SJ always. Oh, always H, like, like H. the letter. H. 
I call it HTML. I'm a redneck from Ohio though, so H. Yeah, don't you know Americans? You know, one thing I did want to say when it comes to content too, though, and I'm basing this strictly off of my joshhall.co site because the reason I'm getting a lot more traffic and a lot more visibility now is through my tutorials. And I never, I've never done any keyword research for my site. All I've done is I've done tutorials that have been really important for me to learn how to do in my business. And so I think one thing that is really important for SEO too is while those tools are very valuable, I would say don't get hung up on a lot of that stuff. A lot of times you can literally just think about, well, what would I Google to find this product or this service? Or like when I do a tutorial, I generally think about, well, what am I going to type in to customize the Divi, you know, or create a call to action button in the header of Divi or something like that. What am I, what would I Google? And I use that as the title. That's my H1. And then I might throw that in the content a little bit, then I'll try to write it out and then I'll do the video and do the same thing in the video. So that's kind of how I've done it and how I've got a lot of traffic to my joshhall.co site, my tutorials. And it's just, it's quite simple, really. It was just kind of common sense, like what, what I search for. And I think that's where a lot of people in SEO get hung up on like the robotic technical terms, which again, as I mentioned, it has to be a mix of both. But, um, you know, a lot of times that will go a long way. And sometimes you can just type things in Google and you can see what will pop up as suggestions. And there you go. There's a good handful of terms you can put. Yeah, uh, I know. I know like for YouTube. It's SEO tool. Yeah. yeah, like especially like tutorials. I mean, like, you know, on YouTube, Anytime, you know, you're starting them with like, how to, yeah. how do I, uh, you know, think, things like that, especially for tutorials. Um, I, I, I've heard that quite, quite a bit, you know, for naming, um, you know, the posts and stuff for tutorials. So it's a tricky one though, right? Because sometimes you can Google in a different way to what other people would Google. And you've got to make sure that you're Googling like for you, Josh, like you're going to Google your own stuff in the same way. Most of your potential users are going to Google it because you're in that world, right? Like, so you're going to think to Google it in the same way. But like if I go to Google a technical problem, I will often use technical words to Google that problem. And I'll have friends who aren't technical and they'll Google it in a whole different way. And we will get completely different results for things. So I think sometimes it might be also worth if you've just got a friend who might be the right uh, end user, just asking them, what would you Google if you wanted to like find this thing? Because sometimes yeah. I Google in a completely different way and I will get different results, but maybe I'm not the right end user and my friend who's completely not technical is or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. You could also put secondary terms in the article as well. Could be an H2 yeah. or it could be a constant. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the, the value of like, obviously we've been talking a lot, you know, focus on content, content is king, but I think to take it a step further, in-depth quality content because when you write really in-depth content that covers a topic really well you're gonna naturally rank for a lot more keywords because you know like uh, sarah was saying you know you want to you might you know write the title based off of the way you would type it in but then there's other kind of ways that people would you know different angles that they would type it in that you know you cover in your post well if you write it really in depth well naturally you're going to rank for those different things because when you're writing you're going to use synonyms if you're a decent writer to describe the same thing um you know just so that you're not don't sound super repetitive and so then google's going to pick up on that google also smart enough to know synonyms and so they're going to be able to figure out um you know what a user is looking for what people don't realize is google is smarter than they think 
And so when you try, start trying to like create content for SEO, you have to realize that Google's really good at figuring out the searcher's intent. And so it's not just about exactly what they're typing, but what they mean to type. And so, you know, they use so many different factors to kind of hone in and, and, you know, predict what they're looking for. And so, you know, you don't have to, you know, figure out exactly what users are searching. Because if you write really good content, then Google's going to, you know, help you out with the rest. And then I'll tell you, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, I don't know about for you guys, but for most of my clients, like I'll say to them, hey, if you want to rank really well, start writing a blog and write a blog that, you know, every blog just targets one little aspect of your business. That's how you're going to do a lot better. They're not going to write a blog. Like I would say 99% of my clients do not want to write a blog. So, That's you know, so like popular. it's a great idea, but. Question, question for the panel with all of our experience. If a client asks, can I pay my way to Google ranks, Google rankings, what do you guys say? Well, if you hire, hire a, a yeah, uh, hire, hire a, a writer, hire a, yeah. a like, writer. Yeah. yeah, but be careful where that money goes. But yeah, I don't so know. I was, just curious, I was just curious. Cause I get that question a lot. Like how much would it cost me to, to rank? I'm like, uh, well, it's like, yeah, it's, it's working towards it. It's like hiring a, it's like hiring a trainer to get in shape, you know, like how much money is it going to cost yeah. for me to like have a six pack? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's continuous. Yeah. I'm curious what, what Guys, everyone right on the there. panel thinks, um, with outsourcing writing, I feel like in, in my opinion, I, I'm usually against it. And my thinking is an outsourced writer, they're going to write and it may, you know, be well-written and everything, but it's not going to have that, uh, that voice that, of your brand. And it's, they're not going to have that same sense of pride over the content. Um, you know, usually, I don't know about you, but I can usually tell when it's like an outsourced writer type of thing, a freelance writer, it just kind of has a different tone to it than when it's someone that's in-house or the owner directly, you know, or team member, that's actually like a permanent employee. Um, cause you can just reading it, it doesn't have that same feeling and it might, you might cover the topics and might kind of answer the questions that, you know, when you're Googling something, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, um, I guess accomplish as much as, but, but, but could, I mean, can, can Google differentiate that? I mean, like for one of our clients, they're a solar and electrical company we, you know, Randy Brown's writing articles for him. Randy's a, you know, electrical engineer. And he does a, he does a great job on it. Yeah, he it's not real personal, like to the actual like business. We do put key keywords in there, you know, for like Prescott, Northern Arizona, some you know some local uh, words. But I mean, does Google like really? Like, I, I don't think Google can like tell like the tone. No, it depends on the business to how personal. It now, needs now to on be. on page SEO, I think should be very um, very personal and sounding like it is coming from the business. Like if you have an about us section or you know, you're, you're talking about some of your services. Um, you know, to me, that's important and yeah. general content, like, you know, I'm, we're not going to hire somebody like talk about like the clients, like family or, you know, a personal struggle or, or something like that. Yeah. And, and you're right. Google pretty much can't tell, but here's the thing. If someone is on a website and they reach that website, you know, from an article, uh, you know, by a freelancer, they're going to be, Probably if it's not, I'm not saying like, don't do it. I think it's better than nothing, but I'm saying like talking about clients, I think encouraging them to, to get in the habit and learn those, you know, 
best practices to do themselves is going to in the long run pay off more because when someone does come to the, uh, the search engine or through Google and lands on the page and they're able to connect with the writer because they have that sense of pride and, you know, sharing the personal experiences, you know, they, it's their business. So they're going to write it from a way different perspective. Well, then they're probably going to interact with that, that content more by leaving a comment, by staying on the page longer. And those things are and sharing, sharing can can increase SEO as well. If there's like a bunch of people uh, sharing your content to Twitter, Facebook, that's going to help. Exactly. So indirectly it's going to, impact SEO. And then additionally, if they're on the, the website reading it and, you know, and, and having that connection, they're more likely to want to hire the company. And so it, you know, potentially impacting the bottom line. Now I'm not saying like all freelance writers are bad. Like, I'm just saying like, I think as a general, get the right you know, one. Yeah. yeah, get the right one or yeah, yeah. or do it, you know, in-house. As I've said, so like, not something I would, yeah. You would it's never it. want to outsource it overseas, right? Like oh, I yeah. think, well, I mean, you could, sorry, I shouldn't say you should never, but depending on the business, you're going to want to have a local feel. (laughs) So you're going to want to like probably make sure that they understand the right lingo. Like if I outsource to America for blog posting for an Australian website, it's just not going to work because we say things in different ways. And so even just making sure that, you know, I'm not even talking like countries where English isn't the second language, but even just making sure that they're going to be speaking in the way that your end user is going to want to be reading, I think matters. That's a great point. Like we experienced that last year with a home inspector site we did because Jonathan, my lead web designer is in Australia. Yeah. And I'm used to saying like, you know, let's target this. Like, let's make sure we have all the cities in Columbus, like the most popular ones in there. Well, he has no idea about that. And a lot of the spellings are really, really weird. So unless you're like looking at them, like I had to be. Hey, you're, picture, you're me. Yeah. I had to, I had to be yeah. detailed, like, okay, you know, these are the titles and these are how they're yeah. spelled and everything. Cause yeah, you got to change all the S's, disease, and oh, all the things. And then, like, I talk about like Arvo for like afternoon. You guys like had no idea what that even was. Like, but I like that. Really Yeah, like there's all these little things that are super normal to me. That if I try to write content for your websites, it just wouldn't work. Like, it just. So I think you have to think about that thing. It's the same with like Instagram. I never recommend outsourcing Instagram purely because Instagram is such a personal um, platform. You would never want to like have someone random like posting things or they could, but it's never going to feel personal. Like Instagram kind of is supposed to feel personal. Um, Unless you get the right person though. That's like all this boils down to that, which I'm like, I say it like every week, I think that I'm copywriting is a nightmare. But Tim, I think I agree with you on all of that stuff, but I will say, like Sarah said, tell your clients to start a blog, see how that works out. Like if they're not going to do it, (laughs) then you're better off hiring somebody to do it you know like that's true yeah. having yeah. the content is better than not <laughs> at all so you know yeah, or some kind of combination i mean you happen to be a good writer that's not everybody's forte like you can get grammarly and everything else but some people are just a disaster so yeah. you know or some combination you know like yeah and, and it's just the, the time you know i consider myself a decent writer but at the end of the day, I, I'll commit, you know, to maybe writing something and I, I just don't have the time because, yeah. you know, there are other a- aspects of, of the business that are, you know, of the utmost importance and it's hard to, it's hard to get around to. So, um, yeah, it, it, everybody's situation is different. Everybody has their own skill set. Some people might absolutely despise writing and just not want to do it. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think have, writing I is have a fear for a lot of people. 
Like, I don't know if it was like that for you, but high school wasn't a great time for writing for me. Like I got a lot of negative feedback from a lot of English teachers and it just wasn't, you know, I think, I think writing and then other people reading that writing and assessing it is almost like going back to school. And that can feel really scary for a lot of people. So I think it's not uncommon for people to just feel like, oh, I can't write. Like, I just can't do that. Even if they wanted to, it's too scary. So I don't think that's uncommon for a lot of people. We're, we're running low on time. There's one other thing I want to say that I think was, I'm pretty sure it was not in the last SEO uh, episode and that, because it's just happening now. The thing that, you real, that we all really need to start prepping for, which sounds bonkers to me, but for voice search. Even though like we're doing web and stuff, it seems like, why do we need to do it? But I have read some astonishing predictions about the number of searches that are going to be done on voice. And like, I know like my MacBook isn't even new and the new operating system, you know, it's got Siri on my Mac mm-hmm. and like all of this stuff. And it's like with everybody's yeah. Alexa's and Google Amazon, Home. Alexa and Alexa. Yeah. We do, we do a lot so, of searches with it. So a lot of this stuff too, if you think um, between the voice search and the featured snippets in Google, yes. which if you type in a question and Google keeps you right there, it doesn't even let you go to the page for the answer. If you can answer a question in the language, like in language that makes sense, it's like a direct answer instead of just keywords or title, like solid phrases, you know, yes. you an answer to a question, then that I think is going to really be a huge jump right now too. I think that's going to be a big deal in the, up in the next years. I've heard that numerous in a couple of podcasts I listened to, and I've seen that play out on a couple of sites too, to where, yeah, that little snippet is super huge. And of course, yeah. It depends on what the competition is and, you know, how much domain authority your the site has. But uh, one of the best ways I've heard to do that is to list out the question and the content, answer it. And then if you can list out a bullet list of steps, yeah. particularly if it's like a how-to, if it's something that can be organized in five to 10 steps, that can be a really, really big way to jump into that snippet, which I, I'm not for sure on this, but I think the snippet is connected with audio. Um, maybe not, maybe it depends on whether it's Alexa or whether it's a different voice service, but. So if you um, come up in a snippet though, and people read the snippet, oh, I guess it'd be interesting to see how many people then click on the snippet or whether they find the answer and they just go away and then you didn't benefit from it. I know it's kind of like a bonus, but not. You kind of want to have enough in there that it's like the first few steps are there. So you want to have like 10 steps so that like only a few of them show up and then people are like, oh, I better click so that I see all I feel like I usually click on the link when I see a snippet. Very rarely is my question fully answered in the snippet. It just depends yeah. if you're like, what year did some this person die? Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. I, I've, seen it, uh, I've seen it be wrong, though, the snippet where it's yeah. pulling something yeah. and then I actually click on it like Josh said. And then I'm like, oh, they literally took that out of context. Like, that's actually like 100% wrong. <laughs> like, I've seen it. Like, that's happened more than a few times I've noticed with the, with the snippets there. Even the big G gets some things wrong, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of the big G getting things wrong, um, have you guys heard about the recent story where Google dropped a whole bunch of websites out of Google Web Search Console? Um, no. So there was a story. I'll, I'll find the link for it and we'll put it in the show notes. But um, in the last couple of weeks, and it happened to one of my clients, Google uh, somehow managed to drop a whole bunch of websites and their links out of Google Search Console. So essentially 
they eventually were going to try and fix it. I, I understand. But for us, the way we had to fix it was we had to go back into Google Search Console and resubmit the site. Like it, did, we were still it, in. So it affected rankings? Like it didn't just drop them yeah, off? Yeah, like we dropped off Google. Dropped wow. off completely. Like could not find a, this particular website on Google. And it happened at the time we moved a site. And I was like, that's never what happened. Do do? This is like the strangest thing ever. But what had actually happened was connected with this thing. And so they had completely dropped off Google and we had to basically resubmit the site. The Google Web Search Console thing still existed. There was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with the Yoast connection. None of the structure had changed, but we just had to get Google to come back and have another look as if it was a brand new website. And then within about three, four days, they were back to ranking one for the things they used to rank one for. And so it was all fine, but there was this big issue. So if people are questioning, it may be that they need to just re-index again that particular website. I don't know how oh. Google got that so <laughs> wrong, but I, yeah. I would not oh, be happy. Really. Oh, that's so terrifying. Yeah, I mean, like for us, that would be like, you know, and, and for, I guess for most of us, like that would be pretty detrimental to our business. Yeah, uh, well, and imagine for me, I was moving a site. Like I was moving a site at the time. I thought I'd done something wrong. Like I thought I'd killed this person's SEO completely, but yeah. it just happened to be really bad timing. We yeah, it, it, always, it always happens at the exact wrong time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, you know, you update a plugin and then, Annoying, yeah. like, you know, your uh, server has like a service interruption or something. That's not anything related, but I've had that happen before where it was yeah, like. Yeah, and then you're freaking out annoying. and testing everything. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we are coming towards the end of this episode here. I, I'm not sure if we have time for all of us to do final thoughts. I think we covered quite a bit I'm for good. an hour, but uh, I mean, we could talk about this, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, in another episode again. We didn't go into the specifics two. about Google, uh, about Divi, but in our past episode, I'm sure we went through like where you have to put all your image tags and all that sort of stuff. So go back and watch our other episode on that. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There is another episode and uh, yeah, we may very well do another episode, um, you know, and, and maybe bring on a guest who's like more advanced, even, you know, even th than we are. Um, what you know, than us? Whistle. I know, but you know, I mean, like, I, I'd have a hard time going into like schema and and. A no, lot I think it would be great. I think that schema was fun. brought up in the chat too. People were like, oh, "What is it?" Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, I, I guess we want to remind you of, of a couple of things. Uh, you can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes. Uh, you can you can head over to our website, divi.chat. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play, all, all, kind, all kinds of different places. Wow. Leslie has them like in the top of her head, SoundCloud. Um, so we, we really want to encourage you to like leave reviews and give us your feedback. Also, if you want to head over to divi.chat or send us a message on, our, on Facebook, we'd love to hear your, uh, your show topic ideas. If you have something that maybe we haven't ever touched on or it's been a while, like this episode, let us know and we'll, we'll try to get to that. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you a little shout out uh, for, for the suggestion. So um, any other final words, guys? Good content, baby. Good content. Yeah. Good content, content is key. As lame as it is because people say it all the time. It's true. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same place, same time. And uh, yeah, I, I want to give a special shout out to our live listeners and, and everybody in the chat. It always makes yes, the episode thanks, great. Guys. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see everybody next week. Take care. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye.